Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. After the show, autographed copies of tonight's episode will be available in the lobby as well as Peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from a completely smoke-filled and uh, somewhat chilly recording studio built here at my office in uh, Concord, North Carolina. In tonight's show, I'm going to answer a question about uh, some nautical themes that was uh, proposed to me. That'll be in Pipe Parts. My guest tonight, I'm excited to have uh, pipe maker Randy Wiley on the show. We'll talk to Randy. And then we've got a uh, music from uh, music. I've picked out some Dizzy Gillespie, and there's a little bit of a story to that. And uh, mailbag and rant, all that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey, how did you do, uh, what'd you do for International Pipe Smoking Day? Anything special? Uh, I spent International Pipe Smoking Day at the uh, Salt Lift Tobacco Factory all day. Saw a lot of pipe tobacco. Anyway, uh, let me know what you did for International Pipe Smoking Day. If you had anything special, I saw the New York Pipe Club had a big gathering and looked like a lot of fun. Um, over the uh, weekend, ah, NASCAR's back in season, and we are happy to see Ryan Reed. Yeah, type 1 diabetic Ryan Reed got his first win in what used to be the Nationwide Series, now the Xfinity Series at Daytona, so that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, want some fun reading? Uh, about three or four weeks ago, I did a little interview for a website called Stogie Guys, and it's been up for a while now, and forgot to mention it. Hey, so you want to find out more about me, Kevin's put a link to it in uh, the show notes for this show, so you can go directly over there, and I answer a few dumb questions and act kind of, well, anyway, you just go read it, and you'll find out for yourself. Um, also, I'm going to put up a link to an article that was forwarded to me by Dan Locklear, and it's a uh, letter from uh, on Cincinnati.com from Kevin J. Gordon, and uh, Kevin is a business consultant and board member of the Independent Business Association in Northern Kentucky, and he lays out, I mean literally lays out the best answers I've ever heard for smoking bands, and there's a bunch of quotes in there to... Uh, uh, let's see, Stanford University researchers found no clear link between secondhand smoke and lung cancer. In January 2014, the Sleep Research Center at the University of Surrey in Southeast England reported a link between shift work and cancer, heart disease, and diabetes. And uh, May 2014, the Louisville Courier Journal reported a growing body of research shows the risk of lung cancer is much higher for smokers exposed to carcinogens such as radon, asbestos, arsenic, and chromium. Anyway, he sums up the article with uh, tobacco is a legal product. The decision to allow smoking or not allow smoking is the decision of the property or business owner reacting to the demands of their clientele and exercising his or her constitutionality guaranteed property rights. So check out that article. It's a fun read. And we'll post a link to it on the show notes. All right, everybody. 
Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Here we go. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. This is Internet Radio. Welcome back. In uh, just a few minutes, Randy Wiley will be on the phone with me, but for pipe parts. Uh, so Timothy Fernandez sent me a message on Facebook, and if you're not following me on Facebook, go ahead and do that. My name is Brian Levine. Yeah, coincidentally. Or you could also uh, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show on Facebook. Uh, it's under the Pipes Magazine radio show. But anyway, Timothy asks, why are so many tobacco names packages nautical-themed? Well, there's not a lot of research about this. Um, However, I did a bunch of poking around, and it all goes back to the uh, the original trade with the New World. And remember, tobacco was discovered here in North America and introduced to the Europeans by the natives, And the process of smoking tobacco was taught to them. So it was all the sailors that were coming over from Europe that were sailing over here. They were getting uh, spices, tobacco, sugar, cotton, and taking it back to Europe and selling it. Uh, All those sailors are the first introduction in English and in other European languages to tobacco products. So that's why we get a lot of nautical themes in the, uh, in the world of uh, pipes and pipe tobacco. Uh, in particular, a couple of them that I thought were interesting. Uh, Cavendish, we know, is uh, named after Sir Cavendish, who uh, liked the tobacco pressed and steamed and found it sweeter if he packed it down in the bottom of the ship and put all the heavy sugars on top of it and the heavier stuff on top, it would press it and the heat of being under there would kind of mellow it out. Uh, The other one that I thought was interesting, and I didn't know this until I started looking it up, but capstan. Yeah, the tobacco capstan. A capstan is the rotating wheel mounted vertically on the ship that's used to uh, wind the anchors or other heavy objects and... uh, sometimes to administer flogging over. 
So there you go. Uh, you can, yeah, don't want to get flogged over a tin of capstan nowadays. Um, don't want to get flogged anytime. Uh, but the other thing, the other term that comes out of this is uh, navy cut or navy flake. You'll see that a lot. And a navy cut refers to a flake that's been sliced up. Now, remember, the guys on the ships had a small amount of space. So when they got the tobacco that had been processed for their pipes, they wanted something that took up less space. Well, flake tobacco takes up dramatically less space than a, uh, than a, than a loose cut. Uh, a navy, uh, so that's a navy cut. A navy flake might have a flavoring on it, but those are just general terms. Don't take them as uh, don't take them as the uh, rule of thumb. Uh, some other fun stuff. Uh, the term pipe down. Uh, the bosun had a whistle that looked like a pipe, and pipe down was a si- uh, it was a signal on the bosun's pipe to signal the end of the day, requiring lights and smoking pipes to be extinguished and silenced from the crew. So if somebody's telling you to pipe down, that means uh, put it out, quiet up, and go to bed. Uh, the smoking lamp. Heard at the beginning of every show? Yeah, the smoking lamp was from the sea, from the ships, and there's a couple of different theories behind it. Uh, one, the smoking lamp was only lit when the, gun, when the powder or the magazine was sealed and closed off so that no loose ashes could fly in there and explode the whole ship. Uh, but the other theory was that the smoking lamp was a, uh, a way to kindle a cigar or pipe tobacco or a piece of wood to start your bowl with because, keep in mind, matches were not readily available. So you could go to the smoking lamp and start your pipe or start your cigar with that. And as long as the as as long as the bosun had the smoking lamp lit, it was okay to smoke. When the smoking lamp was out, no smoking. Um, while poking around some of these other things, I found one a couple that are fun. Um, son of a gun. The term son of a gun is. Uh, the space between the guns was used as a semi-private place for trysts with prostitutes and wives, which sometimes led to birth of children with disputed parentage. Uh, another claim is that the origin of the term resulted from firing a ship's guns to hasten a difficult birth. Uh, so anyway, if somebody's calling you a son of a gun, that means that you were <laughs> might be of, a, uh, of ill repute. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, a slush fund. Well, the slush was the uh, greasy substance that was at the bottom of the salted meat barrels that the crew lived off of at sea. Well, the slush fund was the money that the cook got from selling the slush. He'd kind of boil it down and make a, and make greasy stuff out of it, and he'd sell it, and it was used to the benefit of the crew or most likely the so anyway there's just some fun stuff for you and yeah a lot of nautical themes or a lot of uh sailing themes amongst us uh pipe people so makes me want to sit down on a warm ocean right now instead of freezing cold but all right in just a minute randy wiley will be on the phone hi this is pipe babe cynthia and you're listening to the pipes magazine radio show it's saturday morning at the crack of dawn The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. 
You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection. From the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit. As the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water. The slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sudliff, America's oldest tobacco company and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and there's, a, you know, oftentimes I'm really excited to have a guest on the show with me. This one in particular, I'm even more excited because I've known of Randy Wiley for many years but until oh a few days ago i'd never actually talked to randy and now we get to do that and everybody gets to listen in firsthand on us getting to know each other so please welcome pipe maker randy wiley to the pipes magazine radio show <laughs> right from his cave <laughs> <laughs> right from your cave which is uh, what part of the world are you in i'm in riverview florida and is there a river there? Actually, there is. Okay, good. <laughs> good. Just just as long as it's not one of those made-up names. <laughs> uh, now let's go back to the beginning so that we all get to know you. When did when did you first become interested in pipes and pipe smoking and pipe making? Well, when I became interested. After, well, I started a stint with Edwards. I carved for, uh, for them for a couple of years. And uh, that's when I decided I was going to go on my own and do my own thing. But before that, I was uh, uh, doing an apprenticeship, just wood carving. I, I was doing uh, Native American species and stuff like that. And uh, I was basically a, an apprentice for an old gentleman who took me under his wing and taught me how to carve, uh, you know, just regular wood figurines. And then I applied for a job. They uh, saw an ad in the paper that said, Pipe Maker One. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? <laughs> What's a pipe maker? <laughs> but I went in, took some of my carvings in, and uh, got the job. And then I asked the, the lady that hired me, that owned the company, I said, by the way, you know, advertising for a pipe maker, you know, <laughs> What were the chances of you getting somebody? She said none. She goes, but if I would have put woodworker, but I would have gotten a bunch of cabinet makers. And she goes, I was hoping somebody like you'd come in. So, she says, sure enough, there you're out there carving figurines. She goes, I think you'll fit in, and off I went. So, what were the what were the Native American figurines? I mean, were these like uh, like I I don't know how else to say, but small totems or 
spiritual? Uh, no, uh, buffalo, mountain lions, just otters, just uh, things like that. The, the, the man that I uh, was learning under, Pappy uh, Holt, um, he was big on vanishing American species, and that's, that was sort of his theme while, while I was there. And so I did some of those as well as other, you know, animals as well. Okay, so you came into the you came into the pipe world more as a as an artist instead of as a pipe smoker that wanted to learn how to make pipes. I had never even thought about pipe making <laughs> <laughs> until you see the ad. Boy, it was <laughs> all right, you know, and it, it's interesting because I was when I was learning with Pappy, I was I was thinking, where could this take me? You know, because I was just you know. Uh, I was wanting to do something with wood sculpturing and that kind of thing, and I was like, "Where, where in the world is this going to take me?" You know, and, I, and Pappy would just say, "Just be patient, just be patient." And sure enough, <laughs> and when I, you know, started working at Edwards, you know, I just, I really liked it. It was just enjoy. It was incredible. And I was like, "Man, this is really neat." And uh, the guy that, that I apprenticed there at Edwards with was he was a fantastic uh, shaper and finisher. His his uh, profession was a piano refinisher so uh, uh that's the reason he was there and uh i just i learned a lot from him and then there was another guy there that was just a wiry very creative artistic type that, and between the two of them i just i really got a lot of information and uh you know a lot of uh, inspiration from them and uh when i went on my own i just sort of took the took some of that along with me now this is the mid to early 1970s when all this is going on, right? Yeah, mid. And so, so I'm picturing this this young artist coming in and wide eyed and looking at all these pipes. And I mean, do you remember what was what was the most uh, what was the most interesting thing for you? Just learning pipe making. I mean, really, I knew nothing about it, and that was wild because, you know, here I am, an animal figurine carver, and then I'm, you know, she takes me over to uh, Charlie, who was the the big guy there, and uh, he was the master, a carver, and she said, teach him how, and I'm looking at him carving and how he's doing it and everything, and I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> this is wild, never in a million years would I think this... <laughs> You know, this would be this interesting, and yeah, you know, I just because you know you you think of pipes. At least I did at that point. Is you know the standard K Woody and stuff, the, the traditional stuff. And here he is. You know, you know we're we're handmakers, we're you know freehand carvers and stuff. And he's doing all these interesting shapes. I'm like, oh man, I can dig this. <laughs> it, was, it was something else. And this was kind of in the this was in the heyday of the the Danish freehand was taking over the yeah, U.S. It was. And, I mean that's all one hundred percent hand cut from start to finish. Uh, yeah. When he took you under his wing, did he teach you one step at a time, or was it here's a block and we're going to go all the way through it? Yeah, he one step at a time. It basically, you know, he showed me how he went about it, and as time went on, I kind of started veering off a little bit on my own and. <laughs> Much to his chagrin, <laughs> he'd come over and look at me and start shaking his head, going, "Randy, you're getting crazy." 
<laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I got good uh, input from it from uh, uh, from the owners. So they'd come back and say, "Oh, they can tell there's a new carver in the house." <laughs> <laughs> and were, were these pipes only sold in that store? In the store? Yeah. Or were they just? Well, they had they had franchises. Okay. Yeah, they had. Uh, I was working in the factory. They actually had, you know, many franchises out there, and they distributed them through them. And so your pipes were going out all over the country from day one. Right. Right. So, what made you want to go out on your own and uh, do your own thing? Well, it was just I felt I felt like there was a lot I would like to do that. You know, they probably wouldn't let me do or whatever, and uh, there was just a little, there were some restrictions, and, and it just, I, I, I felt like there was, I always wanted to be, you know, doing my own thing, so the opportunity, uh, you know, opened up for me, and uh, I just started putting together my own shop and, you know, going to flea markets and buying uh used motors and stuff like that, washing machine motors and <laughs> $3 motors and mounting them in my shop and slowly putting it together. And then uh, <clears throat> as time went on, I just, I had my shop finished and uh, it just, the way it fell together was incredible. It was, it was really something else because uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child and uh, she worked for the airlines and she was a flight attendant and uh they told her, "You've got two weeks to make up your mind," because she kept putting off going back. And I'm I'm putting together the shop at, the, at that time, and I'm really struggling trying to get it, everything going, getting the materials together, and everything. And she comes out, and she goes, "I got two weeks, Randy. We got This has got to happen or not happen, or I got to go back." So I put together two dozen pipes, rode down the street to uh, the the local tender box, and. Uh, didn't know what would happen. I was really scared, and he bought every one of them. So wow. I went home and said, "You can give him your notice." <laughs> went, All right. You, you can quit your you can quit your job, honey. I sold a dozen pipes. Two dozen, man. Two dozen. <laughs> Two dozen. Oh, okay. Well, that makes I, sense. I left there empty-handed. That was, I, I'll never forget the, the, the drive home, man. I was grinning from ear to ear. I was like, oh, man, this is going to work. Because I had no idea the stuff I was doing back then was pretty wild. And I, just, I didn't know, you know what I was up against or you know, what other makers were doing or anything. And that was, you know, just it was all fog. <laughs> yeah, so you really you had no idea what was going on in the market. You, there, there's no internet to go look and see what's going on. There's a couple of catalogs, but other than that, it was it was really just a, a wild shot that got uh, that made it. That's it, man. That's it. <laughs> that is that is true uh, 1970s artist uh, a, a true artist story. Oh yeah, you know I, I just saw recently uh, one of my first pieces that just came back. I was looking at it. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> what was I thinking?" <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you sell that first two dozen pipes. I mean, how do you go about expanding it to where you're making hundreds of pipes and growing the business? 
Well, that's that's another incredible story. I mean, well, incredible to me, you know. But uh, this guy, the the tinderbox was selling a lot. I mean, a, a, a week later, he calls me and says, "I need some more." He'd already sold them all. And <laughs> so I went out and sold some more, and then the phone rings, and it's a sales rep for one of the major cigar companies. And back then. Uh, they were free free reps. They they carried the cigars strictly themselves. It wasn't through distributors. And uh, he asked if he could carry my pipes. I'm like, wow, sure. So we worked out a deal. And next thing I know, the, free, the phone rings shortly thereafter, and it's another one of the reps because the word got out. Before I knew it, all the reps in that company were carrying my pipes all over the country. And... I had two employees working for me. <laughs> I mean, I was I was boogieing. <laughs> I was ha- every day. I was having to change up real quick. Speed up, speed up. <laughs> at, it was going fast. At, at what point did you uh, switch over the motors from washing machines to uh, to brand new ones? <laughs> you know, I love those motors. <laughs> they last forever. <laughs> but. Yeah, I did. I did shift over eventually. <laughs> probably, it probably took a couple of years, but you know, you gotta you gotta milk it when you can. <laughs> and since the low the, budget helped a lot. <laughs> and since then, it's been uh, Wiley pipes, and they've been now they're sold all over the world. Right, right. The distributorship thing ended. Uh, you know, our or the, the salesman thing ended though. Uh, about 10 years into that, they all started going to distributor houses, and all the sales reps went away, and things just kept changing. And basically, I, you know, lost that ability to, to keep in touch with them all. So, the, you know, basically, I just kind of dwindled it down to just me making the pipes myself. And it, at that point, when did the retailers just start calling you, or did you actually go out and do any trade shows to promote the pipes, or did you ever leave your cave? Well, <laughs> as little as possible, but <laughs> yeah, I did. I did a lot of a lot of shows at the beginning of years, and then I started doing a lot of trunk shows at the shops and things like that, which is what I mostly did, and then uh, you know just kind of kept it to that. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the specifics of pipe making and uh, shapes and finishes and all that fun stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Heck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. 
Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellandDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and uh, visiting with Randy Wiley in his cave, and I'm about to perhaps poke the bear a little bit, but we'll we'll give it a shot. So. <laughs> Uh, Randy, you're one of the few people that I've actually had a chance to talk to that I know that works with uh, with Grecian Plateau Briar. How did you How did you find out that that worked best for you? The Grecian Briar. Yeah. Well, it's consistency. Quality consistency is what I pretty much appreciate about it. Did you try other other sources like the Italian or uh, or Algerian? Well, I guess Algerian you must have been with Edwards. Uh, yeah, I I have tried uh, you know all the different as far as I could you know reach anyway. But uh, I've tried the Algerian. Had a nice little contact for that. You know, it was beautiful wood, but I lost the guy. <laughs> he sort of vanished. <laughs> Oops. I don't know what he was up to, but, but he he really had a he had some very nice wood, and uh, I got some some really good stuff from him. But uh, that went away, and uh, I've used Italian briar, and uh, then I just uh, went back to Grecian briar or Greek briar. And is your and I've used even some Spanish. Some Spanish. Sorry. Yeah, I used Spanish for, you know, a little bit, and. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but then I used, <laughs> then I used, uh, I had some Moroccan with, and some uh, Corsican. As the years have gone on, can you tell the difference? I mean, is there a real big difference between the different sources of briar? Well, the wood density is a little different, I think. Um Grain patterns are what's interesting about it. They, they all have their own beauty. And uh, you can get some striking you know, grain out of some of these uh, different countries. But uh, the, the Corsican was, was striking. But they were so limited in their production, and it was just hard to deal with. I couldn't, couldn't communicate well with them. Back then, there was no Internet or anything like that. So it was just very difficult, and they had uh, limits and minimums and things like that and I just didn't want to deal with all that so but the, the, the wood was beautiful but you know I just couldn't get it so let me let me recap and then I'll ask you a question about that so you you're starting out there's there's no internet there's no uh, there's no 800 toll-free directory to call over to <laughs> Europe and find this stuff it's it's literally writing a letter <laughs> It's writing. I'm hoping they can understand what the hell you're saying. <laughs> yeah, there's no Google Translate to communicate in different no, languages. No, there's not. Uh, yeah. 
I actually, I actually had a uh, when I started doing uh, uh, with Italian uh, with some of the Italian people, I had a translator <laughs> that would write my letters for me. And it, you, you know, it'd take a month to get a response back. So would so you? Boy, you had to order a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking here in the. You know, you're going out, you're selling the pipes hand to hand, doing trunk shows and talking to retailers one on one, and then you're also sending these letters out and waiting for what a bag of briar to come back, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and not knowing what you'd get. <laughs> <laughs> and not knowing exactly That's where the how creativity much creativity came from. A lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> having to work around things. Because <laughs> yeah, I would guess that once you bought that briar, there was also no, uh, you know, send them an email and say, no, I'm sending this back. <laughs> right. Yep. You bought it, you had to make a pipe out of it, so you were also looking for somebody <laughs> that was consistent and reliable at the same time. And that's, yeah, and that's what brought me back to, to the Greek briar. <laughs> I've, consistency and ease and everything else it just it just fit me a little better i'm gonna i'm gonna sit on my soapbox for just a minute and the reason that i'm the reason i'm pointing all these out for everybody to understand is that a lot of these new pipe makers that have started in the last 10 12 years have this wonderful thing called the internet where they can email mm -hmm. people see pictures of stuff talk to people on skype and have it done overnight, and you're you're sitting there with a postage stamp and a typewriter, and hoping hoping bags come back and they're good looking stuff. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a uh, whole different animal. Yeah. So, let, if you don't mind, can we talk about oil curing for a minute? Uh, I don't want to know what your yep. secret sauce is. I don't want to find out that it that it's yep. alligator blood and uh, and uh, <laughs> you know manatee milk that you use. But what it might be some of my blood? <laughs> <laughs> Tips of fingers and I've had a rough week, so I've got a lot of cuts on my hands. <laughs> but it doesn't end up in the oil. <laughs> uh, did you experiment with different styles of oil curing? Did you try not oil curing? What what made you decide on doing it? Well, Edwards uh, oil cured, and that was the way I was trained. And I liked the idea. It made sense what they explained to me, you know, about dealing with the tannins and, and the wood and that kind of thing. So it, it just, that made sense. And the way they did it uh, wasn't going to fit me very well. Because um, they had a whole lot of pipes, they could they could do it their way. It was so time consuming. But my pipes, I had to, I had to expedite the procedure a little bit, and, and uh, so I just had to come up with my own style. It just so happened that one day I was visiting a pipe repair guy down in Sarasota, and he was an old pipe master. Uh, he actually, I think he did, he may have worked for Edwards for a while as well. But I, I was in his shop, and he had. He was heating his uh, pipe up on a uh, a can. He was heating it and then applying the oil to it while it was sitting there, you know, above some heat. And he, he explained to me his method anyway. <laughs> so I just sort of put that together and developed my own style from from that. 
can you feel the difference in the weight of the block when it's oil cured versus not oil cured? No, not really. So it just, but it does do a good job of getting all those, getting all that mud out of there and uh, making it a, a a sweet, smooth smoking pipe. Right. Well, the you know the the, the heating of the of the wood is is got a lot to do with the evaporation of the of the moisture that's still in there and the way I do it is you know with with hot oil and I don't know if I can go on beyond that <laughs> and and other and other secret sauces <laughs> yeah other secrets but it's a it's kind of new for what I'm doing right now but it's really working well I used to immerse the the uh the pipes totally in oil and basically cook them <laughs> and that had its problems because the the carnauba wouldn't really adhere to the exterior of the pipe very well with an oiled surface, no matter how hard I tried to get it off. <laughs> so that I mean, it would it would adhere a little bit, but the shelf life, you know, with the, with a nice shiny pipe, would be about two weeks. Then <laughs> they'd get a little dull finish, and <laughs> sometimes when people would smoke the pipes, the oil would start penetrating to the outside. It was uh, an interesting <laughs> experience. Do you test? Do you test smoke a lot of your uh, a lot of your new processes? I'm doing it right now. And, and it's something that's not out on the market yet. My new process, yeah, a little bit, but um, it's it's trickled out some. But it's it's all good. I mean, the old the other process was good too, but I wasn't. It the oil wasn't quite getting into it the way I wanted it to, so I just decided to do it, try it a different way, and voila, it just worked. It, it, uh, the, the pipes absorb the oil very quickly, but it doesn't penetrate all the way through to the outside, so <laughs> the carnauba is still able to adhere to the surface. <laughs> in in uh, 40 or so years of pipe making, you're, most pipe makers and and you do it as well. You're always relooking at your process or changing something or tweaking this or tweaking that. You got uh, to. Is that because of the change in uh, the change in briar, or is it because of the fact that you pipe makers all have this natural desire to keep goofing around with stuff? Or yep, goofing <laughs> around. That's that's about it. <laughs> No, you just can't ever uh, think that you necessarily, you know, you, you got to maintain a critical uh, attitude, not think that, you know, you're doing it necessarily the best or whatever, and just allow yourself to, to look at it. You know, and it's it's hard to do, because <laughs> it makes it a lot easier if you just continue on with what you're doing, but you know, things can get stale if you do that, and so... So let's talk about your talk about your pipes. Um, how would you how would you describe them to somebody who's never seen them? Ooh, unique. <laughs> so there there is no factory shape chart sitting in the <laughs> sitting in the cave with you. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you do it's, have. It's in my brain. There's a chart in my brain. <laughs> But I don't know what shape's going to come out of it. <laughs> so it just it depends on that. You start off with an idea of what that block should be, and then if the block goes in a different direction, you uh, mm. you you take it with it. 
Mm, I, you know, I just let the block kind of talk to me a little bit, and, uh, and whatever's in my head talk to me a little bit. <laughs> And then I just sort of let what happens happen. I, don't, I really, uh, I go through different phases with it, you know, but when I'm at my happiest is when I just sort of take the block and just start going to town on it. And uh, nothing particular in mind, just letting the shape happen. And you've That's got... I come up with some neat shapes, too. <laughs> <laughs> and some crappy ones. <laughs> well, remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, I found that out because some of the stuff I'm like going, oh, I don't know if I even want to <laughs> show this one. <laughs> First one they grab, I'm like, what? <laughs> That's what keeps you thinking. You don't always know <laughs> what you think you know. <laughs> yeah, the the minute you think you got it all figured out, it changes. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. And that's what keeps it interesting, too. You know, it's just, man, you just never know what you're going to come up with. Let's talk about your finishes. Uh, they they start out with the the galleon. Is that a rusticated pipe? Y- yes. And that so that's going to be that's a that's technique. That's a technique that you've developed over time, and it, and it definitely is identifiable as yours. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, the galleon replaced my old sea reef. I don't know if you ever remember that one. Yep. But that's the story and how that one ended. And I, the way it ended, I took as an omen. So I just decided not to do it anymore. The, that, the old sea reef required a, excuse me, um, my table had to run two machines at one time. One of them was off center, so it would vibrate my table. I discovered that by accident. And uh, when I was applying the texture that I was doing, but because the tool would vibrate, it gave it an even more interesting texture. So I just wow, this is neat. So I just started uh, doing that, and then over the years, the vibration worked my table away from the wall. <laughs> and I'm, si- I'm sitting there texturing, and the whole table just collapses and falls right into my lap, and the, the machine that I'm texturing with just comes tumbling right between my legs, missing me and uh, a certain part by... Just an inch. <laughs> I mean, my wife goes walking down. She goes, "Are you all right?" And the the grinder's sitting there, running on the floor. The machines are hobbling around. I'm like, "I think so." <laughs> Look me over. <laughs> and that was the end of it. I just said, "I think I'm going to stop this one." <laughs> and this was after you were done having kids, correct? <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> You caught that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, 34,000 RPM burr going right between your legs isn't a, isn't a pretty thought. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have the new Randy Wiley pipe maker's protective wear, which includes... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Complete with a new zipper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. All right. We're having too much fun. So, uh, so I'm you guessing... You want to delete <laughs> oh no! Um, oh no! So, so I'm guessing you couldn't get the uh, you, you couldn't get the the proper assembly back together again. Nor did you really want to try. <laughs> Didn't want to try. It was just I th- I just said you know I think this is this is meant to be. <laughs> so I immediately started trying something else, and uh, the galleon is what appeared, and it, I liked it a lot. So. 
Uh, it was a little, a little easier than running a machine that's bouncing my cable. <laughs> <laughs> the whole house shook whenever I was doing doing that texture. My <laughs> wife would just cringe. You're texturing, aren't you? <laughs> How'd you know? Well, the whole house is shaking. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, your smooths are called patina. Yes. And then yes. you do you do some partially rusticateds in there in the old the the traditional spot carved ways where yeah there was one little spot that didn't work out so you do a design on it. Right. And then the highest grade is the ovation. The ovation. Ta da! Oh, I should <laughs> I should applaud. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, real quickly, because we're having too much fun, uh, <laughs> to get your pipes, where can people go to see and purchase pipes? Well, hopefully at their local, excuse me, retail shop. Uh, because you are old school, and that you don't have your own website, and you don't sell direct. You just manufacture and sell to smoke shops. Primarily, I do, yeah. So there you go. Uh, Randy's also got a Facebook page. For those of you on Facebook, you can go to Wiley Pipes, W-I-L-E-Y Pipes, on uh, Facebook and see pictures there. And uh, there's even some uh, older pictures of a long-haired, bearded guy. (laughs) That might be me. Uh, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. So, are you ready? Are you gonna Are you gonna bong me? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite pipe? What is my favorite pipe? In the traditional sense, it's probably the brandy glass. And what is your favorite tobacco? But, but the, the you know the free hands are my mainstay, but. What is my favorite tobacco? Yep. Dark Twist. And what is your favorite drink? What is my favorite drink? Tea. Uh, any particular? Of the, of the non-adult. <laughs> non- non-adult variety. <laughs> uh, when it's time to relax. Otherwise, we can get into wine if you want. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think this may answer it. Uh, but when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Book. With a glass of wine? There you go. <laughs> and finally, uh, any particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't discussed, like dropping a machine between your legs? Or... <laughs> no, I think that one's the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... Can you beat it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> uh, so again, check out Randy Wiley's pipes at your favorite smoke shop or uh, follow Wiley Pipes on Facebook. Randy, thank you very much, and thank you for all the laughs. Oh, Brian, thank you. It was nice talking to you. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. Craftsmanship. History, tradition, these are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, 
Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Baron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Baron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of modern Virginia from Mac Baron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back, and I'm uh, <coughs> don't think I've laughed that hard in a while. Uh, anyway, you can also find a, a big assortment of Randy's pipes, Wiley pipes, on uh, smokingpipes.com. All right, for music, yeah, last week I saw Harry Connick Jr., and it was uh, absolutely wonderful. And uh, this week, thought we'd do a little Dizzy Gillespie. So uh, here's. Dizzy, in honor of me going to the St. Louis Pipe Show, it's the St. Louis Blues. Thank you. 
Those are some uh, hot St. Louis blues, and I don't know how he hits those notes on that trumpet. But, uh, hey, this weekend in uh, St. Charles, Missouri, at the heart of St. Charles Banquet Center, will be the uh, St. Louis Pipe Show just outside of St. Louis. I'll be there. Hope to see you all there as well. Message from the dark side there is. Anybody else getting excited about the new Star Wars movies that are coming out? All right, maybe it's just me. Uh, Anyway, in the mailbag, let's see. Ed Green writes, Thanks for another great show. I love the segment, taking us back to the roots of our hobby, the Native Americans. Uh, Check out some of the Native American art on the pipe and art thread. Then we got to hear all those wonderful stories about just about all the players in the late 20th, early 21st century development of pipe smoking as well as collecting hobby. Thanks again. Uh, John Seiler threw a quick note in one of the best interviews yet. I hope Brian has him back for parts two and three. And Mike Stanley says, uh, there certainly is cause for a second session with this fine man. I love most of the interviews, but the ones with the true collectors are my favorite. Nothing to sell, just good information. News and views is a real triumph for the pipe collector as well. And Al writes, I really enjoyed that show. I have to seek out Rich at the New York City show and at least say hello. He used a phrase that my pipe collecting was largely... uh, He used a phrase that pipe collecting was largely an oral tradition. Hopefully as the hobby moves forward, we will continue digitally cataloging the information so that it is not lost to time. And uh, that's one of the things I hope this uh, silly little radio show does is uh, keep some of that in the uh, digital ethernet out there. Uh, Boo Roke writes, I enjoyed the tips for smoking large bore pipes as much or more than the great story of Mr. Esserman's Dunhill Magnum collection. Has anybody seen Mr. Esserman's favorite tobacco, Sullivan's Special Mixture? Every time I've seen a uh, Sullivan's tin, there's been a big price tag on it. Uh, Let's see, Fuel Pump, Brian writes, Outstanding interview, Rich is a wealth of information. Hope I get to talk talk with him at Chicago. You can tell he really likes to share his knowledge with us newer pipe smokers. Happy IPSD, Brian. And then uh, John Seiler writes... So, we are at a concert, are we? I've never owned or smoked a peace pipe, therefore I cannot comment. <laughs> but Looks like you might have gotten scalped, John. Uh, anyway, now, Rich Esserman is a piper of which I've heard. It all started through his writings in the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris. I've had the pleasure of meeting and talking to him at various pipe shows. Rich's experiences parallel my own. Learning of the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris in 1977 but only contributing in a very small way. I also like large pipes, Costello GGs, etc. I can't even picture a Costello SR with a 5-inch high bowl. His instructions on filling a large pipe are excellent, and the use of a tamper is imperative. I never empty out the ash as I smoke the pipe. It is all in developing the experience. In my humble opinion, one of Rich's best articles was on different philosophies of collecting pipes, I've been down the road of pipe makers and pipe shapes. Great music. Uh, great interview. Music. Bach is a good selection. IPSD rave. We will be having our pipe club meeting this Friday on IPSD. So I and others will have a pipe to celebrate. Great show. I hope you enjoyed your concert and the snow. Yeah, uh, could have done without the snow. Definitely enjoyed the concert. 
Richard Gray writes, uh, going back a while, Brian, air travel today is such a mixed bag. We prefer to travel on Southwest Airlines when possible. Professional, on time, we know just what to expect. Any other time, we will choose first class to avoid the cattle car experience and the dreaded carry-on baggage drama and 300-pound seatmate spillover. (laughs) Uh, Good luck with the emails and phone calls. Customer care is a dying breed. Good smoking, Richard. Yeah, have yet to hear back from U.S. Air. Have yet to hear back from you. Uh, Anyway, going on to happy stuff, Uh, Ron Bosley sent me an email, and it's a uh, Hendrix gin ad about the uh, Hendrix Book Club presents new reads for the coming year. And it's got a picture of a bottle of Hendrix gin. And guess what? There's a pipe in the picture right by the book. So good for you, Hendrix gin. I knew you liked, I knew I liked you for some reason uh, or other or two or three. Um, Anyway, and going back a while ago, I thought this was a a fun email because we're talking about... uh, you know, talking about this being a digital way to catalog some of the stories. Well, uh, our friend Jim Amish has also been uh, cataloging and uh, posting tons of reviews, and those reviews will remain in the Ethernet for forever. And he got a letter from a fellow pipe smoker, and this is what the letter says. Hi, Jim. I just wanted to let you know how much I, pr- I appreciate all you do for the pipe smoking community. You know me as Ducat2 in the PSF forums. I believe I, sm- I believe I speak for the whole membership and many other pipe smokers to say that you are an, ex- an exemplar and inspiration to us all. To see you take the time from your extraordinary work schedule and share with us as you do is Olympian, to say the least. Your impact cannot be adequately expressed in words. I've listened to your interviews with Brian Levine on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, They only further corroborate the fact that you are a true mensch. Uh, For those of you that don't know, mensch is uh, Yiddish for good guy. Uh, He goes on to write, you show a genuine devotion, dedication, and love to us pipe smokers. I have never failed to see you respond to or recognize any member in our community. Your contributions have increased dramatically the pleasure and meaningfulness that pipe smoking has in our lives. Again, thanks for all you do. Uh, It's just, it's letters like that, you know, and people in the community, whether it be Jim Amish with his... Uh, with his detailed reviews, or Scott Thiele with uh, Pipepedia.org, or even going back to Pipe Makers Forum. It's people like that all throughout the community that just keep putting themselves out there and doing all this work and creating a ton of information for all of us to read, research, find, and enjoy. All right, with that being said, hey, rant time, coming up in a minute. This is Internet Radio. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupofJoes.com. CupofJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupofJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. 
check out their remodeled website at cupofjoes.com. And be sure to like them on Facebook, cupofjoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Cowboy. Cowboy. eBay sucks. There you go. Rant over. See you next week. No, I'm kidding. All right, but eBay does suck, and I'll tell you why. Because uh, about uh, six, seven years ago, I used to sell on eBay a lot, and I would primarily do it in Disney collectibles, especially the collector pins that they have all over the place. Well, now I've gone back on there because I decided to trim down my collection of eBay pins dramatically, and eBay sucks. They have now made it almost impossible for an item under $9.99 to be sold on eBay and have any decent money made on it. And here's the example for those of you that don't know. eBay charges you an insertion fee, and then there's little bonuses that you can add on to that. And then they charge you an end-of-auction fee if the item sells. And then if you're forced to use PayPal, and PayPal charges you a fee. So I'll give you a simple example. A $2.99 pin. Yeah, little collector pin. Not real desirable on the market, but if it does sell, it costs me a total of about $0.81 cents to sell it if it sells for the $2.99. Now, on top of that, I got to pay postage out of that because eBay doesn't like you adding postage on. If you put free postage, then they bump it up or they bump your listing up. So I've built the postage price into it. By the time I pay postage and for the envelope, I'm now at about $2 for the total sale. So here's what I've had to do. I've had to really kind of rework how I'm going to sell these on eBay and I'm trying to group them together so that they're groupings of like pins. And I can sell them for $7.99 for one auction of maybe three pins. Well, that's going to create a problem for collectors because we all know collectors. We want one specific pin. We don't want the whole lot of them. Well, eBay sucks. eBay, why don't you take it back to the way it was where it was an online trading community and it was for the small-time person, not the big-time company, and let me sell my little pins and pay you 40, 50 cents for the service. So there you go. eBay sucks, and uh, hey, they're not worried about me either. All right, that is the show for tonight. Hope you enjoyed it. want to thank Randy Wiley for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. And until next time. Happy trails to 
Bombadira, 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 Sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Till we meet again. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you'll come for the entertainment, but you'll stay for the canned ham giveaway.